0: Uh, Really massive um, acknowledgement and congratulations to all dads. Being a dad, uh, they do say having a kid's easy, being a dad, that's hard work. It's, It's hard work. I do also acknowledge that for some, Father's Day is not so much of a celebration of their father, but is a reminder of the lack and absent father that they had. So, you know, we've been in church for nearly 10 years and been in ministry for more than that. And I hold that tension. I do. I hold that tension for many of you that um, it's, it's not a great celebration today. It's a reminder of the brokenness uh, of the world. And so I hold that tension. And so um, if you've been at our church for a while, um, you'll notice that every Father's Day, it's it's an on-off message. One year, it's a celebration of dads and how awesome dads are, and the other year, it's a it's okay, all dads are broken, and uh, God is our heavenly Father. So, I, I really do hold that tension, and I really do acknowledge that. Um, you know, it's it, for some, it's really not an easy day. So, I really, um, yeah, I just let me acknowledge that, and I pray for you guys. Um, that peace would be uh, within the troubledness of your heart on a day like today, okay? Um, uh, About a year ago, about a year ago, about a year ago, I was was introduced to a book titled The Intentional Father, and it was written by John Tyson, an Australian pastor who's now serving over in New York. Now, this is the title of the book, right? The Intentional Father, a Practical Guide to Raise Sons of Courage and Character. Now, I have four sons, so I thought this would be a very good book to read, and it has been a great book to read, and it's actually been very confronting. And now, it does talk about raising sons, but there are many concepts that the author uh, uses, which is not just about sons, but about all kids as well. The author says this in the book There's a moment that's coming for you. In fact, it's right around the corner, happening way sooner than you expect. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. It's the moment your son leaves your home. Now, now, uh, he's only three rows behind you. (laughs) I know. Now, obviously, we we have a unique family, you know, five kids. But one of the things about our family which is unique is not just the fact that we have five kids but we have a very large age range. So my eldest is 15 next year gets his L's so be careful, okay? I'm serious, he's going to be driving he's 16 next year, he's going to be driving and if he bumps your car then, you know, it is what it is. And then, and then my youngest is, is one, so we have a 14 year gap between my oldest and my youngest. And While I was reading this book, like, you know, the younger kids, like, I'm still doing nappies and it's, they're never going to leave. In my mind, they're never going to go. But it was confronting because I realised that Chris, who's nearly at the end of year nine, has three more years of school left. And that's it. He's 18. You know, he's an adult. You know, and, you know, the joke is, it's not a joke, but it's a joke, but, you know, 18, congratulations, you can go to jail. You know, like, you know, like, that's, as I said, it's a joke, but it's not a joke. After last week's testimony, I know, you know, (laughs) love you, brother. Love you, brother. (laughs) You know, we're all family here, you know. But it's pretty crazy to think that in a very short period of time, that my kids, one by one, will leave the family home to forge a future for themselves. And so in working out what does it mean to be an intentional father or a father that's healthy, uh, the author of the book says this, we need to have a vision of the day our sons or our children will leave our homes and work backward from that day with a plan to help them gain the knowledge, skills, character and experiences they need. This will enable them to move into the world as confident and healthy men and women. Most fathers let chance take care of these things. They leave it up to luck, hoping that someone will teach their son on the way or maybe they will go and learn these things on their own. The author of the book, his main point is this. the, The key to being a healthy father or a healthy parent is to be intentional. Now, the word intention means to be done on purpose, to be deliberate. The best things, the best thing that as fathers and mothers that we can do in raising our children is to have a purpose in what we are trying to do. And then position ourselves and work backwards to go, okay, if this is what I want my son and daughter to become, then I've got to work out the plan to help them to get them there, right? You know what's interesting? We do this in every other area of our lives, right? This is not just for our parents, but we do this in every important area of our lives. For example, your health. You know, becoming healthy, being healthy doesn't accidentally happen. You know, did you know that? Do you, you don't wake up and suddenly you've got six abs, is that what we call them? I don't even know what we call them. I've never had them. I I'm never going to have them. You know, what, what are they, Andy? Six abs? Six packs. Look, I know what a six pack is. Plenty of those before, but, right? But, you know, you, you, right? You don't just wake up and go, wow, I'm, I'm really healthy, unless you're Spider-Man, right? Bit by a spider, if you don't know that. I'm trying to expand my examples, you know, movies. <laughs> I've got a, you know what about like education you know i, I want to be smart it, no one wakes up and goes hmm, e equals mc squared you know like it, it takes intention it takes a plan it takes dedication um pastor james used the k-pop example a few weeks ago got a real good response so i'm just going to copy that Think about these K-pop stars, right? Think about these K-pop stars, global stars, Blackpink, right? BTS, you know, H.O.T., (laughs) you know, right? That's the original, right? None of these guys woke up randomly and became global stars. None of them randomly learned, like suddenly knew how to sing and dance. They... Prepare for years. They make decisions. They make sacrifices. The whole family makes sacrifices with a specific purpose in mind. They live their life with intention. Nobody goes to university without intention. Why? Because you won't turn up to class. Nobody starts a business without a plan. Why? Because you'll fail. Can I tell you that the idea of being intentional is not just a common sense idea, but actually is talked about in the Bible where Jesus gives two very clear examples of what it means to be intentional. And this comes from Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Let me read this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down Estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Verse 31. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose this one coming against him with 20,000 men? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. Really great examples that Jesus gives. First one is a builder who's about to build a building building and if they don't consider the cost, if they don't consider the plan, they're going to get halfway. They run out of money and they're left with a half-built building. Second example is of a king who has to do the cost-benefit analysis of when they go to war. I've got 10,000. Oh, They've got 20,000. Hmm. We might not win this. So what do they do? They send out a delegation and, and before they even fight, hey, Let's discuss peace. Why? Because the cost is going to outweigh the benefit, so they find another way to not go to war. Both really good and simple examples about why it's important for us to be intentional, but we need to read it in the context of the story of why Jesus gives us this, and that's in the two verses before in verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus actually isn't talking about buildings and going to war he's actually talking about following him being a disciple of jesus being a christian jesus at the time of jesus's ministry there were many miracles that jesus did many signs that jesus performed and it was attractive so people were like who is this guy let me follow this guy i want to follow this guy right the thing i love about jesus is he's really honest and he's really upfront, and he turns around to these people that are following him, and, they, and he says to them, hey, guys, look, I don't mind if you follow me. Actually, I want you to follow me. I want you to share in the benefit of what I have to offer you. But if you want me, and if you want to follow me, you've got to know that there's a cost. And the cost is this. You have to be willing to give up not just some things, but to give up everything. And I know when we read this, right, I remember years ago, someone, you know, quoted this verse to me and said, you know, does it really mean you have to hate your mother and father? I don't think it's about, like, you know, go to your mom and dad and go, I hate you because I'm going to follow Jesus. It's the idea that uh, there is nothing that is more important than following Jesus. And as much as we think, right, wow, that's so extreme right? That's so extreme. That's so crazy. Like who would be able to do that? Do you know what? When you get married, when you get married and when you make vows and when you say to your spouse, I do, do you know what else you're saying? You're saying I do to the person you're marrying and you're saying I will not with every single other person in this world. See, no one goes, oh, Steve, that's really extreme. You know, that's, that's a bit crazy, that's a bit too much. No, everyone goes, they understand that. They understand that level of commitment. They understand that level of connection in marriage. And yet when it comes to Christ, oh, it's too much. But it's not. When we say yes to Jesus, we have to understand that you, you can't just say yes for the sake of saying yes or peer pressure or for any other reason, right? But you actually have to think and make that decision wholeheartedly. It's not just a hope for the best decision because something, you know, something's here that's, that, you know, something like, I don't know what's going to happen, so we'll let, let's, just, let's just follow Jesus and, and hope, you know, that's the right path. It's not like that. When we follow Jesus... And when we say, this is who we believe and this is who we love, we're saying no to everything else in this world, including our own lives, including our own desires, including our own plans. But do you know why it's so important for us as listeners of this to hear this? It's because there's something worse than outright rejecting Jesus. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, and I think these are the scariest verses in the Bible. Matthew 7, verse twenty-one, twenty-three: 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will pl- tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Friends, when we don't consider the decision to follow Jesus, when we don't think about the cost and benefit that comes from that decision, what you get is half hearted faith, half committed faith. And yeah, people will come to church, people will pray. People will read Scripture. People will donate to charity. And they will be, on surface level, somewhat committed to the faith. And yet, there will be areas of their lives that they have not committed to Jesus that they're still holding on to. You know, there's a story uh, in in Scripture of a, a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus, Jesus, how can I gain eternal life? How can I be in heaven? And Jesus says, follow the great commandment, love God and love others. And this young man goes, you know what? I have been doing this since I was born and I've done it well. And then Jesus looks at him. Mark 10, 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. This man, he would, this young guy, right, he would have lived his whole life Man, I went to church every week. I give, I pray, I serve. He did all these things, right? He calculated for himself every right decision, and yet Jesus says, hey, I never knew you. That's the scary part. That's the part that you need to think. If that's the end goal, then I need to consider I need to consider how to be intentional about getting there. As a father, if my intention and purpose is to raise sons and daughters who are healthy, who love the Lord, who are kind, then I need to weigh up the cost and benefit for the decisions that I make in my family. Right? If I want my kids to have a healthy relationship with their father, then I have to make a decision to spend time with them. Which means I need to sacrifice what? My golf. Can I just note something, right? I know I talk a lot about golf. I think I've played golf once this year. I don't, I don't want you guys to stumble and like, this guy, he's so worldly. All he loves is golf. Man, I don't even know where my golf clubs are, right? I'm playing September 22. Okay. First time this year. But if, if that's what I want, if I want my kids to be committed to the church, do you know what I need to do? I need to bring them to church every week. I need to teach them. Right? I need to show them the importance of church. Right, I have to be intentional about the decisions I make for my children because I know what the goal is. And this is something that's really important, especially for all of our parents, especially to do with your kids. When you make decisions for your family, Ask yourself, what's the end goal? Can I tell you, for many parents, the end goal is what? Success, comfort, retirement, fame, money. That's why parents will invest their lives into getting these kids through selective, in getting these kids good jobs, getting these kids, you know, into tutoring and, and investing everything and everything, right? Is that really, as a parent, is that really what you want for your child? Uh, You know, when they're an adult, is that what you want for them? Something that you need to consider, parent. Friend, if you want your kids, if you want them to prioritize God, you need to make decisions that prioritize God. And you need to show them. So an example is this, and, you know, for many people who grew up in the church, you would know what I'm talking about. Uh, My daughter, she has a birthday party Sunday morning, 10 to 1 p.m., right? Worst time. Who has parties, right? You know? Anyway, she comes to me, and she's sad, right? She's got her sad face on already. And she hands me the birthday invitation. And she goes, Dad, I got invited to blah, blah, blah's birthday, and I said, oh, great. When is it? It's Sunday, 10 o'clock. And I said, oh. <laughs> That's it, right? There's no, like, there's no discussion. Why? Because for the both of us, we know Sunday, 10 o'clock is a non-negotiable time because we are investing into our church family, Right? But, obviously, being a great dad I am, then, you know, we go and then organise another play date and blah, 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 right? But my kids don't question Sunday morning church. Can I tell you? You guys don't either, because you're all here. But to the parents that are not here, you need to think about where you want your kid to end up right? These are, nothing happens automatically. And this is the whole point. Nothing happens overnight, right? Nothing good and healthy just randomly happens or magically happens. No, we need to make intentional decisions in our families to raise our children with the end in mind. And it's exactly the same with our faith. With the end in mind, and if you really think about what that end is, right? Eternity in heaven with God, that's a pretty good end. A place where there is no sadness, no tears, no pain, no suffering, that's a pretty good end. But with that in mind, we need to learn to make decisions in this life to get us there. We need to make decisions in this life that will align us to that. Or else, as Jesus says, Luke 14, 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. We need to know the end goal and we need to be intentional. Now, let me finish with two applications. One, uh, for our uh, parents, and then one for everyone. With your children, and this comes from the book, right? Ask yourself these questions, right? What do you want your child to know about God, about themselves, and about life? Who do you want your child to be? Not who, what do you want your child to do. It's not about a, a, um, a job. Who do you want them to be? What skills... Do you want your child to have? What formational experiences do you want them to have? One example for us is that we learned, I learned, that travel, family holidays, is an important, is, is, is a, such a phenomenal experience within our family. I, I, you know, we've been, we, we used to travel every year, and it took me, years. I hated traveling. I hated getting on airplanes with babies, it's the worst, right? But as the kids got older, we would come back home and I noticed that the relationship with my kids has changed. The relationship with the kids and myself has changed because when you're away on holiday, it's, you're forced to play with each other. And I realized this is what I want for my family. I want our family to overlap in our lives. I want us to be integrated. I don't want us to be like, you do you, you do you, you do you. And so for us, family travel is very important. So in November, Mel and I are leaving the kids and going overseas. (laughs) It's not even a joke. That's like legit. But next year, we'll go on a family trip, Chris. (laughs) Don't be shocked. I am very intentional. Let me show you how intentional I am. This is my future. (laughs) This is an an Excel spreadsheet that I have on my computer. And it has my five children and what year they will be in what year. Right? This is what it means to be intentional. Right? So right now we're 2002... So Chris is in year 9, Ben is in year 6, Anna's in year 4, 22. Zach's in daycare, Will's in daycare. Next year, Chris will be year 10, Ben graduates and goes to high school next year. Anna's in year 5, Zach's in preschool, Will's in daycare, right? Do you know why I started this? Because I needed to work out what years I need to pay for daycare. <laughs> I actually did this, it was a financial document to start off with, Right? So I worked out that by 2025, that's the last year of daycare that I need to pay for. Great, right? But we're sending Ben to private school, which means that starting next year, I've got to pay private school, daycare, and preschool. So someone got to help me out next year. I'm just saying, right? But go all the way to the end, right? I calculated by the the time Will, my youngest, graduates year 12, it's 2038, 2038, right? 2030, I'm 56 years old, right? Now, you look at that, and it's a pretty scary document, right? And it's more scary because there's five kids, right? If you've only got one, two. But can I tell you, that's what it means to be intentional. I look at my life, and I look at, okay, 2038. Do you know what? 2039 is sabbatical. Whole year, me and my wife, we are just going. And that's going to be paid for by number one, two, three, four, and five. Because <laughs> they can all work by then, right? I've already told them, right? First 10% goes to the Lord of your salary, and the next 10% comes to us, right? That's my retirement plan. That's what it means to be intentional but you know what? As crazy as that document looks, you all do this for the things that are important. You know, if you've got a tournament, if you've got a sport competition coming up, you prepare for it. If you've got a project coming up, you prepare for it. If you've got buildings going up, you count the cost, you prepare for it. If you're going to buy a house, you prepare for it financially. If you're going to have a wedding, you prepare for it, right? We do all this. So to the parents, don't just do it with the important things in your life, but do it for your families too. Do it for your kids as well, right? But this is for everyone. Do it for your faith. I had a brother come to me a few weeks ago and he was telling me, you know, sometimes I don't feel like going to church, but I go. And I told him, same. <laughs> right? Right? That's the honest truth, right? There are days where I'm tired. There are days where I don't want to invest into the church. There are days where I don't want to talk to, you know, 100 people at church. But I do it. Not because I'm getting paid to do it, because that's the plan. Because I know at the end of the day, there's something greater waiting for me. Do I want to sacrifice? Do I want to serve all the time? No. No one does. But we do. Because that's part of the plan. Right? It's like exercise, right? I never want to go to the gym. Never, ever, ever. There is not a single day that I'm like, I wake up and go, man, I really feel like going to the gym today. I wake up, I really feel like going to Jimmy's kebabs today. Right? That's different, right? But you go. Why? Because of the end goal. Same with your faith. Because I don't want to get there. And I don't want to meet Jesus face to face. And him look at me and I said, Jesus, I went to church every day. I went, I prayed. I gave, I gave parts of my life to you. I gave parts of my future to you. And Jesus says, yeah, but you couldn't, you, you didn't give everything. I gave, because you know what Jesus says? I gave everything for you. When Jesus died on the cross, you don't think Jesus had the same thought? What do I got to do this, God, for this bunch of idiots? They don't even know. What I got to do this? And he died on the cross. And he died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for me. I don't think we're in a position to be like, well, you know, I don't think it's fair. Well, yeah, I don't think it's fair at all. Should be your blood, should be my blood. And yet he sacrificed him. Why? Because he had intention, he had the end goal in mind too. And the end goal was the glory of the Father, and it was to save the sinner. Friend, you need to really consider this. This is me being in your grill this morning. The last thing that I want for you is for you to live your life without intention, without purpose, hoping for the best, hoping that it works out. Let's roll the dice and see what happens. Jesus promises us that when we follow him, that when we say yes to him and no to everything else, you know what he promises us? Everything. He promises us the world. Not just in this world, but in all eternity. But he's very upfront about the cost. He's very clear about the cost. And it's a question that you and I need to consider. Am I willing to pay the cost? Am I willing to give it all up for the sake of Jesus? Because if I can't do it, if I can't give up every area of my life for the sake of following Jesus, then you need to ask yourself the next question. Are you willing to accept the biblical consequences of that. Big things to think about. But let me finish with the end of the story of the rich young ruler, the young man that could not say yes to Jesus. And it says this in Mark ten twenty nine thirty: 30. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home Or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions in the age to come, in in the age to come eternal life. That's the promise. Sometimes we think, oh, we need to sacrifice, we need to sacrifice. I'm telling you, it's not much of a sacrifice if you understand what's at the end. Jesus is not trying to restrict our lives. Jesus is actually trying to give us freedom. It's just our inability to hold on to the little crumbs that we have when Jesus is like, I got the buffet ready for you. Friends, I pray that the decision you make to follow Jesus would be one that is calculative. You understand the cost and benefit. It's not just some random decision to follow Jesus, but you confidently make it knowing that he will be there for us in the end. And he will, because that's what he promises. So all our dads, I pray that you'd be intentional in raising your children to be godly, and know the Lord. And to our family, I pray that you would be intentional in making a decision to follow Jesus. Let's pray.